going to read from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. People, I want to encourage you today, like David did, to speak over your own soul. Exhort yourself. So shoulders back and head up. And like David said, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, praise the Lord. If you're with your family, say, oh, my family. Oh, my family, praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, because this is the one. This is the God who heals our diseases, who shows us mercy. His steadfast love goes on and on forever. This is the God we worship today. So I want to invite you to rise up, to step up, to stand up, and bring praise to the living God today. We sing.
Your faithfulness, God, it never stops. So we will never stop singing. Your goodness never ends. So our song will go on and on. We worship you today, Lord. We fix our eyes on you. We center our attention on you. Your promises are good. We trust you. Sing the oceans. Oh, oceans may rise over my head. It can't change what you said. It can't change what you said. Oh, I may be found in the valley of death. Change what you said, it can't change what you said. No, no, nothing can change it. Your promise is secure, nothing changes it. Sing the oceans, the oceans may rise over my head. It can't change what you said, it can't change what you Oh, I may be found in the valley of death. It can't change what you said. It can't change what you said. You are good. You are good. And everything you do is good. Yeah. You are kind. And everything you do is kind. And you never will So you are good And everything you do is good The oceans may rise Over my head It can't change what you said It can't change what you said Though I may be found In the valley of death It can't change what you said
Sun shall pierce the night, and I will 
as we come to give to the Lord of our tithes and offerings today, I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving, for continuing to remain faithful. We got a, a few great stories that have happened this week just here at the church. As you've given, we want to continue to be outward facing in this season. We don't just want to turn inward and make sure we are okay. And so this last week, we sent out thousands upon thousands of dollars into the nations of the earth partnering up with our missionary partners in Central America, taking care of kids who are living in poverty, many of them who are orphans, making sure they get good educations. We sent money to Central America. We sent money to South Africa. We partner with a group there called Club 21, and they take care of kids with Down syndrome, kids who are fighting through, kids making sure that they have what they need. And so your giving has gone to that. We sent money this week to Pastor William in Lahore, Pakistan, who's fighting to take care of the poor and the needy and the hungry all around that region that he's living in. Brothers and sisters, our giving is making a difference, not just here in our city, but in the nations of the earth. And so I wanna thank you for continuing to give today. So what, what, what I want you to do is to join me in prayer as we pray for our missionary partners that are serving Jesus in some of the most difficult situations on the planet. Lord, today we pray blessing over them. We pray the peace of God over them. We pray that you would cause your face to shine on them. We pray that you would bind all fear where they're worried about their next paycheck coming through, where they're worried about how they're gonna take care of the people you've called them to serve. We pray that as these gifts arrive, Lord, that it would change the atmosphere, that there would be hope, that there would be joy, that faith would arise among them. We pray for the sick to be healed. We pray for those who are discouraged to be encouraged by you today. And so Lord, we give today and we pray that these gifts would go into the nations of the earth and bring blessing and joy and abundance and provision in Jesus' name. So we give by faith and Lord, we ask, do your work in the nations of the earth. And all God's people said, amen. There's three ways you can give. You can give at newlifechurch.org. You can text it in or you can send in a, a gift through the mail and address it to 11025 Voyager Parkway. Let's continue to ask God to do his work in the nations as we give. Oh,
We say yes and we say amen. Let the praise of our God rise up all over the city, all over the world, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, singing the praises of God, the truth of God. It is good. Amen and amen. Friends, let's prepare our hearts for the word of God. Grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks, press in, lean in. Grace and peace. Welcome, friend. Good to have you with us today. If you're watching on KRDO or YouTube or Facebook, we just want to welcome you to our service. So good to have you with us. I know we can't physically be together, but we've been doing this for about eight weeks or so now, and we feel your presence with us, and we trust that you feel our presence with you. So it's so good to be with you worshiping together. I'm going to open the scriptures up in just a moment here. By the way, my name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor of New Life East, one of our seven congregations here in Colorado Springs. And I'm opening the scriptures up today to Deuteronomy chapter 34. And so I'll invite you just to grab your Bibles and flip there real quick. We're in a series called Faith in the Wilderness, which is really looking at how God led his people in a very uncertain time. And as we've discovered, the way that God led his people in this time is so similar to the way that he's leading us now. And I think that there's something really beautiful for us here as we open the scriptures. So it's Deuteronomy chapter 34. And let's just pause and still our hearts here for a word of prayer before we get into the text of scripture. Lord, we welcome your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you that Paul wrote to Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man, the woman, the child of God may be perfectly equipped for every good work. Scripture is God-breathed. And so we pray that as we open the text of Scripture today, we ask that the very breath of God would come to us. That same breath that brooded over the waters of chaos in Genesis 1, that same breath that entered Adam's nostrils and made him alive, that same breath that entered into the body of the Lord Jesus and woke him up from the grave, we ask that that breath, the spirit of the living God, would come to us today and wake us up out of our graves. We pray that you give us hope and strength and faith in the reading and the study of scripture. Grant that we're asking. May the words of the preacher's mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. Deuteronomy 34, the scripture reads, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. And there the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, and the whole region of the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zoar. And then the Lord said to him, this is the land that I promise on oath to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I've let you see it with your own eyes, Moses, but I will not let you cross over into it. Flag that because we're going to come back to that. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab as the Lord had said. And he, that is the Lord, buried Moses in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor, 
But to this day, nobody knows where his grave is. And then listen to this. Moses was 120 years old when he died. And yet his eyes were not weak and nor was his strength gone. And the Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. And now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. And so the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. And since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord, oh, I love this, whom the Lord knew face to face and who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to his officials, to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord and we receive it with gratitude, Lord. We say thanks be to God. Moses now has led God's people for 40 years. He's 120 years old. And he comes now to the very end of his life and he rises up on this plane and he surveys the whole promised land. He has, Moses has led them to the brink of the promised land. That land that God had promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where they could live and move and breathe and be and flourish. And Moses glimpses all of this. And you got to think that at 120 years old, uh, Moses would be a little bit fatigued. He's had a long life. He's had a long life. He was put in a basket when he was just a little baby. Pharaoh had decreed that all of the, all of the Hebrew boys be killed and Moses was spared that. He winds up in Pharaoh's household. He grows up in Pharaoh's household. At 40 or so years old, he murders a man and flees to the backside of the desert where he spends the next 40 years tending sheep until God calls him at 80 years old. And most of us are winding down at 80 years old, but Moses is just gearing up and God calls him into the fray. And Moses stares down the mightiest nation that the world had ever seen and delivers the people of God out of Egypt. And for 40 years, Moses now has led the people of God. And if you know anything about the story of Moses and God's people, you'd know that this was not easy. It was a terrible job. And who would sign up for this job? The people of God are a quarrelsome and cantankerous and angry group and faithless group of people. And so you'd think that in this moment, Moses, 120 years old, would climb to that mountain and he'd go, God, I've just had enough of it already. Just take me, Lord. But instead, look at the commentary that the writer of Deuteronomy makes about the life of Moses here in verse 7. He says that Moses was 120 years old when he died. And yet, brothers and sisters, his eyes were not weak and his strength was not gone. Verse 10, since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. See, when Moses enters his rest, he doesn't enter his rest fatigued and falling to pieces. But Moses enters his rest with strength and vitality. And it turns out, brothers and sisters, that friendship with God just has a way of doing that to you. That it fills your life with vitality and strength. See, I think that Moses' strength was not gone because his eyes were not weak. Moses had spent his life gazing at the presence of God and dwelling in the presence of God and drinking deep of the strength of God. And because of that, the eternal strength 
that is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that that became a constituent part of his being. Friendship with God has a way of doing that. It fills your life with vitality and strength. The psalmist said it so beautifully. In the 92nd Psalm, verse 12, the psalmist said that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And they, this could be a commentary on the life of Moses, couldn't it? They will still bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright and he is my rock. There is no wickedness in him. See, when we're anchored in God, what happens is we draw life and vitality straight from the source of life himself. And that is God. And that's good news for us, brothers and sisters. That means that life and strength and vitality are on the table for you. I had the great privilege of growing up in a community of faith in central Wisconsin that was full of some of the most remarkable people you'd ever want to meet. You'd never read about these people in the magazines and they didn't write any books, but man, these were saints. I grew up among a group of saints and one of the saints in our midst was a tiny little old German woman by the name of Ola Zagarek. And Ola, she couldn't have been more than five feet tall. I'm putting my hand out like this because this is about how big Ola was. She was like a hobbit woman or something. And Ola, though, Ola dwelt in the presence of God and she had this reputation for being a woman that operated in miraculous gifts of the spirits and healings and miracles, kind of followed her around wherever she went. But she was this unassuming old lady. If you ran into her in the grocery store, you'd never think that this is a saint. But I'm telling you, there was glory radiant on her life. And when Ola, she used to, I went to a Christian school that our church had started. And Ola, every once in a while, would come to our little Christian school and she would teach Bible classes. And she would open the scriptures and explain them to us. And it was something about, you know how the disciples said, about Jesus on the road to Emmaus, were not our hearts burning within us. When Ola spoke to you about the scriptures, your heart began to burn within you. And then she would come over and she would pray for you. And I don't know if you've ever had an experience of the very presence of God falling on you in a way that's almost palpable. But when Ola laid her little withered hand upon you, you felt God's power and you felt God's strength fall on you. And I was always so curious about this woman. What is it? that makes her life radiant? What is it that makes her life strong? What is it that makes her life vital? What is it that makes her life vibrant and alive? And when I was 17 or 18 years old, my mom encouraged me to go and get some time with Ola. She must have been about 90 or so years old at this point. And so I called up Ola and I set a time to come over and sit with her. I just asked her some questions about her life. I was curious and we talked. She was curious about me and I was curious about her. And finally I asked her, I said, Ola, I just have to ask you, tell me about your relationship with God. Like we know you as the woman that operates in these miraculous gifts and in wisdom and in knowledge and the power of God is clearly with you all the time. And you even now, as I'm sitting with you, you're so vital and vibrant and alive. But what's the secret in the sauce, Ola? Like what's the thing that you do that keeps that whole thing going? Ola, tell me about your relationship with God. Ola, how do you, how do you pray? And Ola said, well, what I do is I wake up in the morning, she said, and I open the scriptures and I just begin to take in what God is saying to me in the scriptures. I receive it into my being. And as it awakens faith in me, I begin to pray out of that. And I just try to fix my heart in the presence of God. She said, and then when I'm done with that time, 
I try to keep my heart fixed in the presence of God all day long. And, like, Ola, what else do you do? I mean, there's got to be some big secret. There's got to be something else that you do that makes your life what it is. And it turns out, brothers and sisters, that there is no something else. None of us is working with a different set of conditions or circumstances. The rules are not different for any of us. But this kind of life, the life where we draw strength straight from the presence of God and our lives become vital and vibrant and alive, that is on the table for each one of us. And the movement is always the same movement. That what we do is we press into the presence of God and we seek the face of God. We seek to have our eyes open to the glory of God. And then we seek to have our hearts situated in that place. And it turns out that as we walk with God, we become filled with life. This, by the way, was the whole pattern of the life of Moses. The scripture says in Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy that one of the things that Moses used to do is that he would take a tent and he would pitch it outside of the camp. And the tent was known as the tent of meeting. And Moses frequently went into the tent of meeting to listen to the, the Lord's voice and to seek his face and to discern his will for God's people. And so he'd go. And the scripture says that when he went into the tent, that the glory of the Lord would fall upon the tent. And Moses and God would speak to one another face to face as a person speaks to their friend. See, Moses ending his life the way that he did with his eyes not being weakened and his strength not being gone. I'm saying to you that that was not an accident. It came from a whole way of being that Moses lived in, that Moses was constantly going into the tent of meeting. And the scripture says that when he would go into the tent of meeting and the glory would cover him, he would depart from there and they would see that his face was radiant because he had spoken to God. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he actually says that that experience of Moses is on the table for each and every human being. Moses says, for we all who with unveiled faces reflect the glory of the Lord are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit Brothers and sisters, I'm saying to you that God is no respecter of persons or situations and holiness comes in all shapes and sizes. It comes in all shapes and sizes. Just open the scriptures and look at them. There's no cut and dried approach. There's no cookie cutter approach to holiness. You don't just have sort of off figure of holiness in the scriptures, but holiness, life, vitality, the kingdom. It comes to carpenters and it comes to old women and it comes to people with staggering administrative responsibilities and it comes to kings and it comes to prophets and it comes to prostitutes and it comes to murderers. It comes to any who will access it. It's on the table and I can hear the objection in your heart now. You go, Andrew, you don't know though. You don't know how busy my life is. I've got the three little kids running around and I've got a business that I've started on the side and I just don't know that I have time. Andrew, you don't know, I'm just too young. Andrew, you don't know, I just don't know the scriptures very well. Andrew, you just don't understand. I've tried to pray before, but I just don't know prayer very well. Andrew, you don't understand. You don't understand that I run this huge company and I have staggering administrative burdens. What, what, like Moses? I mean, come on. Guys, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Holiness comes in all shapes and sizes. And God is no respecter of persons. 
And if you'll reach out for God, he's close to you. His life, his vitality, his strength, they're on the table for you. In fact, Paul says in Acts chapter 17, that God is the one who determines the times set for us. Think about this. And the exact places where we should live. In other words, our situation and our circumstance in some way that, that stretches the boundaries of our, our language and staggers our imaginations, somehow God is responsible for that situation. And he says that, that God does this so that people will seek him and reach out for him and find him even though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. God is closer to you. He is closer to me than our very breath. He is our life. He is our context. He is our source. All we have to do is access that. And I don't know that what it looks like for you, but it might just be that what you do is you start carving out little moments in your day, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, where you withdraw, you find your little tent of meeting and you go and you open up a psalm that's a favorite psalm to you and you begin to feast on the very presence of God. I'm finding as I get older that it doesn't take much. What I need to do is I need to turn my heart as often as I can to the Lord. The psalmist said, seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous laws, O God. That's, sometimes that's all it takes. It's just a moment of awareness, a moment of opening our eyes up, a moment of saying, God, yes, I need you. And somehow that fixes us once again in the presence of God. Holiness is on the table for each one of us. But the question is, who will take us there? Who will lead us into the land of holiness? Who will take us by the hand and lead us into God's presence? And for all of the beauty of this chapter of scripture, there is a sort of dark cloud that hangs over the top of it. I want to turn your attention back to verse four. The scripture says, then the Lord said to Moses, this is the land that I promised on oath to Abraham Isaac and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants. And then the Lord says, I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you will not cross over into it. There's a reason that God will not allow Moses to lead his people into the promised land. And it was early on in Moses' leadership with the people. They had come to a place called Kadesh in the desert of Zin. And the people began to grumble against Moses and against the Lord. They were so thirsty. They needed something to drink. And so Moses, as his habit was, he went out to the tent of meeting. He said, Lord, these people are on the brink of stoning me. They don't have anything to drink. And what are you going to do, Lord? And the Lord said to him, Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you and Aaron to go. And I want you to speak to the rock that's in front of you. And when you speak to the rock, that same word that hurled the worlds into being will come through your words and it'll split the rock open and water will come from it for the people to drink. And so Moses leaves the presence of God and he comes out to the people of God and Moses has anger burning inside of him. Not love and not compassion and not grace like a leader should embody, but Moses has anger burning inside of him against the people of God. And he says, listen, you rebels, I'm going to show you that the Lord is holy. I'm going to show you that the Lord can do this, even though you don't trust in him. And instead of speaking to the rock, what Moses did is Moses took the staff of God's authority and he began to strike the rock. He hit it twice. And the Lord honored Moses that day. He allowed the rock to split open and water came out and the people drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron that day, Numbers chapter 20 and verse 12, that because you 
did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. In other words, Moses, for all of your good qualities, and you have many, and for all of your strength, and you have much, and Moses, for all of your wisdom and all of your humility, and it is great. Moses, I can't trust you. That when I put my word in your mouth and I command you to do it, there are times that you err. Moses, you're not the one to lead the people the distance. You're not the one to take the people into the presence of God. There will be another that will come up after you. And the book of Deuteronomy ends with this sort of lingering hope. Since that time, there hasn't risen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The book of Deuteronomy, friend, I'm saying to you, ends with this far horizon. It's looking for a prophet, not just like Moses, but better than Moses. It's looking for a prophet who will do the will of God perfectly and hear the voice of God perfectly and execute what God says perfectly. And that person will lead the people into God's rest. And what Christians believe, brothers and sisters, is that Jesus is that prophet. Jesus, the one whom the Spirit descended upon. Jesus, upon whom the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There was never a time that the Lord looked upon Jesus and said, you didn't honor me as holy. You can't take the people the distance. But Jesus said, I always live to do what pleases him. I live to do the will of my father in heaven. And what Christians believe is that when we get our lives tangled up with the very person of Jesus Christ, that it takes us into the land of holiness. That as we give ourselves over to Jesus Christ, Jesus who said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and nobody comes to the Father but by me, that what happens is when we get our lives tangled up with Jesus, that somehow that eternal life that is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, that that comes into us. We get mixed up with all that God is. Back to Ola and with this I'll start taking us in for prayer, Pastor Daniel is going to lead us into communion in just a few moments here. Remember, I was in my 20s at some point. I was pastoring a church. This was my late 20s, actually. I was pastoring a church in Denver. And I was remembering the life of Ola, getting ready to preach a sermon. And I wanted to use Ola as an illustration. And I realized that there were pieces of her story that I did not know. And so I called my mom on the phone, my mom who knew, knew Ola well. And I said, Mom, give me some biographical detail on Ola. I, I knew her when she was in her 80s. In her 90s, I knew the final products of Ola, but I don't know very much pre, you know, my life. Tell me more about her. And my mom said, my mom said, you know, when she was in her 60s, Ola's husband passed away. And I said, well, what happened? Clearly she didn't remarry. What's the story there? And my mom said, actually, that moment was a pivotal moment for her. She was in her early to mid 60s and her husband had passed away and she came to a sort of crossroads. Lord, do you want me to get married again? Should I seek a husband or should I do something else? And she felt as though the Lord was saying to her, Ola, I want you to marry me. And she said when she was in her early 60s, you know, Ola had lived this ordinary life. But in her early 60s, Ola put the ring on the finger. Ola married Jesus and entered into a kind of experience of the risen Christ that is altogether too rare among us. And when I heard that from my mom, I thought that right there is the secret of Ola's existence. And the truth, brothers and sisters, is that that's not some special thing that's just a reserve for the special few. But the scripture says that Israel was the bride of Yahweh and the church in the New Testament is the very bride of Christ. The whole 
issue of salvation is that what God does is God comes to us and he proposes to us. That God says, all that I have will be yours if all that you have will be mine. And what will happen is our lives will start to commingle with one another and you'll find that that life that I have passes into you and you become alive with the very goodness and the life of God. 20 years ago this spring, I got down on my knee and I proposed to my wife, Mandy. She'd go, we're going on 20 years of marriage. And that was the proposal. Will you marry me? And inside that proposal, it's all I have is yours and all that you have will be mine. And when you think about it, brothers and sisters, when you think about this in terms of our relationship with God, the asymmetry of it is staggering. What we do is we yield our paltry little existence into the hands of God and God pours his whole existence, his life and his power into us. And that is on the table for you and for me. And we're living in this incredibly dark and trying time. And yet, and yet, life and strength and vitality are on the table for us if we will say yes to Jesus. And now I want you just to begin to lift your heart up to the Lord in prayer. But there are some of you that you said yes to Jesus a long time ago. And you're living in the strength of this. You're living in the strength of union with God. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd continue to pour out strength upon your people this day. Lord, I ask that you would draw us into your presence, all of us. There are some of us that are listening to this. And we said yes a long time ago to Jesus, but we've wandered off and we're not experiencing the strength that's so evident in the life of Moses. And I'm asking, Lord Jesus, that you would draw us by your spirit into your presence. Return us to your life. Return us to your power. Return us to your wisdom. Wake us up again to your presence, I'm asking in Jesus' name. And there are also some of you that are watching today that you've been listening to this and you realize that you've never made a decision for Jesus. You've never said yes to Jesus. And friend, I'm telling you that the most beautiful days of your life are ahead of you right now. Jesus offers his whole life to you if you offer your life to him. And so if that's you today, I just want to lead you in a prayer. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I hear your invitation. I hear your offer. And this day, this moment, I say yes to you. I say yes to you. I'll put the ring of your salvation on my finger. I'll yield my life to you. And I pray that all that you have would become mine as all that I have now has become yours. Oh, grant that, I pray. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that salvation would rush into people's lives and find them right where they're at. Grant that, I'm asking in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just a moment here, we're going to go back into a time of worship. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations, friend. Your life is about to begin this day. It's such a beautiful thing. Pastor Daniel is going to lead us in communion in just a few moments here. And uh, so let's prepare our hearts as we come to the table of the Lord. i 
we come to this moment, we remember that Moses struck the rock. He did the wrong thing, but God still provided for his people. Jesus was hanging on the tree. We, humankind, we did the wrong thing. They took the spear and they stabbed him in the side and the scripture tells us that blood and water flowed down for the life of the world. And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he took the cup and he said, every time you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Friends, today, Jesus has come to forgive your sins. Jesus has come to wash your past away. And so as we come to this moment, we're remembering forgiveness. We're remembering God's provision. We're remembering God stretching out his arms and pouring out his life for you and for me. Today, Jesus has come to take good care of us and to forgive us of our sins. So you can take the bread today in remembrance of Jesus. You may receive the bread. The strength of God and the wholeness of God being administered to you. You may receive the cup today forgiveness of sins, all your past washed away. We celebrate today all the people who have committed their lives afresh to Jesus. If that's you, we're praying for you. We rejoice with you. You can join us at newlifechurch.org to get more information about joining the church. And when things open back up, we'd love to see you face to face. We pray God's blessing over you. Many of you are watching at krdo.com today. You're watching on the television today. You're watching at New Life Church or Facebook or YouTube. We welcome you. Thank you for joining us. Remember to be praying for our medical workers. Remember to be praying for doctors and nurses, those on the front lines. Let's pray for our city officials and our state officials and our national leaders that God would give them wisdom as they go forward. And today, I want you to just open your hands. I want to pray the benediction, the blessing prayer over you as we go today. I pray over you. May the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and grant you peace. And I pray that your homes would overflow this week with the joy of God. I pray that your lives would overflow with the peace of God. I pray that you would have all you need. We pray for the businesses in town to flourish and to have everything they need going forward. And so we pray God's strength, his blessing, and his peace over you today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for joining us and go this week in God's grace and peace. Much love. Thank you for being a part of the broadcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope this was a place of strength and encouragement and comfort for you. We hope you come back and join us on Wednesday night at 6.30 Mountain Time as we will gather for an hour of worship and prayer. Also, if you want to join us online next week, we'll be right back in the same place, same station, same broadcast. So be a part of it next weekend as well. God bless all of you. Have a great week.